0: of giftings and those you've added to this church your church, your bride who is the body Christ being the head fitly framed we pray that in 2016 that Riverton First Baptist will do exactly the things that Christ as a man would do If he were in this town this year, from feeding the poor, to teaching the word, humbling the proud, and giving grace to those who've been bruised and hurt, Lord, we come before you this day, your day, to worship you. Father, you have answered prayers, and I thank you for Messiah's obedience to your word to speak it before the congregation. For I know there are prayers, even this morning as I receive a report, that you have answered prayer. Those who have prayed in secret have been rewarded openly. And there are others, and as they leave your church, your house, and your congregation today, believing May they know that their faith in you, a God powerful, so powerful, you could raise your own son from the dead, that this childlike faith could not only raise the dead, but give them new life. Will you send the Holy Spirit? He is the preacher. And use us, each of us, in a new way in this year, O oh God, challenge our hearts. We bow before you. We humble ourselves and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Good morning church. Man, so nice. Julie and I were gone last week with the children and had an outing to Wichita, and we certainly missed you. It felt like we have been gone for a month, anytime we're not here for one week, and it was so good, all the good reports, and uh, I know you're an encouragement to Brandon in many ways as he is up there uh, starting a new work in ARMA. Uh, many ways, the church supports not only financially, but also supports him prayerfully and otherwise, and... uh, It's really nice to be able to do that, and that's what the gospel was for. It was never to build a kingdom to ourselves in one location, but to multiply, and God is doing that, and I look for more of that in the lives, and so we certainly want to find out what your gifting is and allow you to just have a great time serving God there. You're going to be the happiest when you're doing what God called you to do in the body, and so thank you for so many people being obedient this morning. Uh, I believe it creates a wonderful atmosphere to teach the Word of God, and Amen, if you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I want to start the month of January, the entire month I'll be preaching on practical living. And so this morning I want to start this message and I'm going to title it Simplifying Our Life, Living a Simple Life. Now it's not as simple as you may think to try to live a simple life in our culture, but it's necessary. And so if you are open to the book of Matthew, I'm going to read a text in chapter 6, verse 19 through verse 24. This is a common text, but please pay close attention to the detail, and we will walk our way through and ask the Lord to give us an understanding. What what Christ is doing here, from the outset, these verses will look very self-explanatory. But as we begin to break them down, you'll see that it was none other than a litmus test, an eternal litmus test for the heart of all mankind. Whether you're male or female, whether you're one who are of great success or of a low degree, it makes no difference. This test fits every heart. And so let's begin to read here in verse 19. Jesus, this is notably called the Sermon on the Mount, and He's teaching His disciples. Of course, others are listening. And here's what He tells His disciples. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon the earth, where moth and rust does corrupt it, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust can corrupt it, where neither thieves can break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If the eye is single, the whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is evil, the body will be full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And the last verse we'll be reading. No man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or he will hold to the one... And despise the other, you cannot serve God and money. Now you probably wonder why I would look at this text for simple living. And even though this is speaking monetarily into the lives of the disciples on what they should put their time into, where they should put their focus, I want to begin to look at some of the angles that are here and then allow this to test our hearts this morning. Because the problem in humanity and the reasoning Christ sent into the earth with the word of God was not to make bad men good. But was to change the heart. Immediately the heart is where everything comes from. It wasn't a modification of cleaning up your act. After all, we can rehabilitate you. And sometimes it works fairly well. But if you rehabilitate, the word simply means rehab it. And if we're not careful, we'll turn an alcoholic into a workaholic and we then have the next problem on our hands. The greatest disguise the enemy has ever had was to disguise us with chasing the treasure of the world. And it could be many things other than money. And Jesus begins to show us how we test our own heart. He's showing the disciples this though, keep in mind. He's equipping these disciples with the Sermon on the Mount because He knows they'll not only be ministering while He's present, but they will be ministering long after He's gone. And so He wants them to know that there's a great disguise. And the first thing He starts is with saying, don't lay up for yourself treasures on the earth. Now He's not saying there's anything wrong with making money. And if we're not careful, we'll read this verse and we'll think immediately, do you mean that Jesus said don't lay up treasures on the earth? That means I shouldn't have a job? No, because the Bible also says a man that doesn't provide for his own house is worse than an infidel. Proverbs, Solomon spoke very wisely, how you could be wise with money. How you could be not slothful not be a sluggard and wake up early and work. And he knew, used analogies of like ants and other things that work diligently. So Jesus is not saying that we cannot go have jobs and make money or have something nice. He's not directing us to depravity but directs us in the right direction so that at the end of the day we have a life of simplicity which actually has meaning within itself and there we find happiness of God and the true... Are you with me? Okay, let me get with you. <laughs> so what can happen? It looks like this. I've spent a few weeks, probably two to three weeks, at just cleaning up the farm. And so this is, I was really thinking about the month of January, knowing to try to get very practical. And we've just come out of Christmas time, all the holidays, and we're starting New Year's. I'm sure there are some New Year's resolutions. I won't ask you what they are, because I don't want you to feel bad if you don't keep it. Your New Year's resolution. (laughs) I think the average life expectancy of a New Year's resolution is about three weeks. Okay, we won't talk about that again. (laughs) Um, But as I was cleaning on the farm, and I was thinking about practical. I was just thinking how busy our lives can be. Just how busy they can be. And it's really hard to take a look at my own life when I know that I'm very busy and that this type of busyness is not very fruitful. It's very hard to look at a spot and want to get rid of anything. Because I can justify every area of my life. I mean, I can justify, if I start thinking about in the last 18 months and we, you know, have been pastoring a church and it becomes more busy. And so that, there's, a little, there's some time given there, and so then there's some time that's taken away from other things. And the one thing I noticed naturally at our farm was that just the farm wasn't where it needed to be. I was too busy. And so we started recently, we went to the apiary where we keep our beehives and and we had had some disease this year so we lost about 50% of our beehives and they were really rugged but I had brought them home and set them in the apiary but they weren't really where they needed to be. They need to be cleaned up and they need to be stacked properly and in order and we needed new frames ready for spring, I needed feeder tops ready to feed in February because bees can really starve to death in january february if you get some good days but can i say something to you spiritually i don't want us to starve to death in january february spiritually either okay and so i'm just saying let's take a really good look at simplifying our life and jesus is showing us how to do that in these verses And the first thing he says just don't focus on laying up treasure in heaven or in the earth and the next verse he says try laying up some treasure in heaven And so I think first we must look at the fact that there are treasures and the fact that the heart is going to pursue the treasure. And if you talk to somebody very long, you're going to find out where their heart is. If you hang around with them for a week or two or a month, you'll find out where their treasure is because their heart will be right there with it. They'll talk about it. They'll communicate it. They'll spend their time on it. And all Jesus is doing, he's not saying don't make money. He's saying make sure your direction's right, that you're, you're making some treasure in heaven and not putting all your treasure into the earth. Are you with me there? And so what does that look like? I think treasures of the earth. He he began to list some interesting things. Did you notice he used the moth? He uses rust. And he uses thieves for talking about what a treasure of the earth is. And how it could be a, a, a detriment not only to your life, but how it can then become nothing. And Solomon says that also, that, that the treasures and, and money and fortune can grow wings and it will fly away. In a practical nature, other than my family, I have nothing that won't eventually be sold at an auction and someone will get one check and that's the end of what it looks like. But yet I may spend most of my life pursuing... Now, yes, I want a home for the family and all these things. But sometimes in my busyness, I get a whole bunch going and become so unfruitful, I don't even know where I'm at. Is anybody out there feel that way? That sometimes, you know, I, I justify it myself. I'm not pointing... At I'm looking here. I'm looking in the mirrors. I prepare this message and want to just talk to you openly and honestly... That sometimes my heart, my mind starts to drift off and think about just like my personal finances more than it needs to. And sometimes in my life and our life, and as Julie and I talk, and like, I, there's some wants, but there's all those aren't needs. And I need to really take a look and let, let the gospel balance like this is a treasure of the earth. And I, sometimes I start weighing. I don't want the weight of the scales to be all that I'm doing in life is building this huge weight of treasure in the earth because I know that it won't last. And he says, moth, eat it. So we can buy the nicest of clothes. I mean, the best of the best. And I have some suits. I'm actually happy to say this. My wife smiled because you know what I'm going to say. I can still wear the suit I was married in. Now I don't always tell you it was a little big on me when we got married. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, I could still wear the suit. But I say that to say this: many of my suits, uh, as I used to travel, uh, boy, I was twenty years old one time. Right? Anyway, um, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of moth holes. We've noticed this. I don't. I never really see a moth. I mean, I don't go to the closet. And like, oh, man, did you see that moth fly out of there? I've never seen a moth fly out of my closet, but I can prove he's been there. Because I'll be like, what is that spot on my shoulder the moth has eaten? And, and I know this is really elementary, but come on. I mean, in my life, help me, church, am I, like, if you come walk with me, am I actually spending most of my time building Treasure of the Earth or treasure in heaven. That's what I'm after. Like, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? What is the gospel for me? And But there are some of my suits that are eating. And then he says, where well, rust can corrupt. So, man, all the nice cars. Whether you like it or not, rust is going to affect it eventually. And as pretty and shiny as it is today, rust will get it. Amen. And then the third one was thieves. They're going to break through and steal. And these are the three... Elementary analogies that Jesus uses for treasures in the earth. Moth, rust, and thieves. Now, we know what thieves will break and get. They want to get valuables. If they come in your window or break in your door, they want something that's worth something. And what Jesus is saying very practically is, don't lay up these treasures in the earth. Don't get so heavy on building these treasures that you miss out on the treasure of heaven. Are you with me? And so he was making sure right off the bat that the disciples, he had just finished though, and let me give balance here, he had just finished with some verses where the Pharisees love the applaud of men. They love to do things to be seen. So how can we apply that to the church? We can actually do things that seemingly are religious, but if we do those for the applaud of men, we've also laid up treasures in the earth that are not treasures of heaven. But the best applaud we will ever have is the applause of God as we pray in secret and begin to do what God asks us to do because we love Him more than we love anything else. And again, God is not asking us to live lives where we have no money, no homes and no cars, but He's saying while we live here and work here in balance, let's lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven and God is enough to give us back what we need while we're doing this living. And I think about my daughter. I mean, I think about the young ages that are here. How does this apply to you when you go to high school? Look at how busy you can be. Hannah and I talk a great deal about this. There's so much There's so much to do. And so I challenge the, the young ages among us that are in school, I challenge you with, you know, begin to pray and ask God, you know, what do I need to be doing and not doing? I mean, He needs to give you wisdom so you can be effective in these areas. Because the Father, I know that when I'm just chasing the times in my life early on all I did was think about money that's all I did I was a workaholic because that's all I thought about that if I could just get to this point monetarily I would then be okay it's elusive it never happens that thing will fly away a little farther. I mean, it's like the little, the little bait in front of the mouse, and when he gets there, they pull it back. And, and the more I had, the more I wanted, and the more it was going on, the more stress that took place. My focus wasn't right, yet I loved God, but I was totally unfruitful, and I would make every excuse to justify what I was doing. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What does this treasure look like? Giving. Do you realize when you give, and I mean like you're giving not only at the church, but you're giving to help somebody. Do we realize what this does where God's concern In Scripture... With Cornelius, God directly sent an angel for one purpose, and that was to let him know because of the way he treated the poor and gave to them, God had a memorial in his presence on his behalf, and that he would answer whatever he wanted to do. I mean, when you help somebody that's poor and in need, I said it in my prayer, but this is how the church should think. If Jesus, six foot or whatever he was, 2,000 years ago, was living today as a literal man in Riverton, Kansas, what would he be doing in Riverton? And, and whatever your answer is, that's what we should be doing. And if our focus is right on the money and we're not focused in the wrong... I'm not asking you to live a life of depravity. I'm saying if we focus correctly in the right position, Jesus is still walking in the earth today. He's the head and you are the body. And he wants to communicate you both through his word and prayer and many times by conviction. And and not just conviction of sin, but sometimes he needs to let you know you're okay. You're okay. But whatever Jesus would do, what would he be doing? I think we should think about that and next week talk about it. Maybe we should give testimonies for what our thoughts were that Jesus would be doing in Riverton. If Jesus was walking, because after all, if he's the head and we're the body, he's still here. Is Jesus accomplishing today out of Riverton First Baptist? It's just a question I need to ask myself. I mean, would he pass by? I've seen him stop for beggars and he wanted to help them. I've seen him begin to dispute with the lawyers and those that were proud. He raised the dead. I mean, wow. Amazing how we can make excuses for what we're not doing. It sounds much like my analogy to you, how I would make excuses for what I didn't do because I had something that I thought was justified in my life. And if I'm going to talk about simple life, you know what I'm saying say in a practical way. We are happiest when we're focused on the simple part of our life. Julie and I. I mean, man, you know what I've been doing? I've been working on a three-point hitch for an old 1955 model tractor, and I'm going to paint it. And now we got the H John Deere. Are you listening, Brother Levi? Amen. Now, Brother Levi, we've got a game plan for spring. We won't break it on you yet, but these tractors are getting shined up. I've plowed the gardens. We've worked over two tillers that were broke, transmissions apart, and fixed them. And they're up and running. And I mean, parts of the farm are jiving, and we've got uh, hogs ready to butcher and laying hens over here in one bin. And in two weeks, we'll order the meat hens for, or the meat chicken. Man, this is great for me. Now, you may not want to do all that, but, man, this is what I need to be doing. Now, do I do Yeah. But it needs to be balanced. And how easy it is to begin to tra- chase the treasures of the earth and find yourself on one course, filling up all of your time. And chasing, hoping it would make you happy. But at the end of it, finding out there was simply no happiness at all. It was busy. It made me tired. It made me cranky. It made home not fun. It made supper time not fun. And yet I would justify it and fight it. Wow. Let's look as Jesus began to walk us through this. Verse 21. Notice he talks about the two treasures. And again, the treasures of heaven. Let me back up a hair. Your giving, your prayer, your fasting. Your faithfulness. All of these things are treasure in heaven that you build up. Sometimes when you don't feel like doing it, but you do it because you know God asks you to do it, sometimes there are responsibilities we have. I'm, I'm called to preach. Maybe you're called to do this and that, and you see different parts functioning in the church. When you do what God's asked you to do, this is the area where treasure is built in heaven. This is where a moth can't eat it, rust can't corrupt it, and thieves don't break through and steal. God's big enough to protect what you have built before Him. Amen. Now, the next verse, here's what he says. Look how profound this is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He's going for the heart. He wants to know where is your heart. He's a heart changer. We know that all bad things come out of the heart and all good comes out of the heart. And when he converts someone and brings them to salvation, he changes the heart. It is out of the heart that all of these issues of life flow. And so God wants to deal with us in the area of our heart. How are we focused? He's not saying don't have money, don't have a car or a house. He's saying, where is your focus? Are you focused more heavily just on the treasures of the earth and what you can gain as though they would be eternal? Or are you, Aaron, focused on also laying up steadily treasures of heaven? Oh, I'm still working. I'm still plowing and planting. Still... Enjoying the children. But I'm not letting anything out there get such a big hook in me that this isn't. Amen. Okay. Verse 22. Here's what he does now. He's going to start testing. The light of the body is the eye. This word eye is also referred to as heart in other places of Scripture. So we could also say the light of the body is the heart, or light of the body, he's using the eye. The light of the body is the eye. If the eye is single, the whole body is full of light. What does that mean? That means if you have a single direction in your life for the will of God and what he wants out of not only yourself, but maybe your family or your job, you can be very single-eyed in many things in your life. So you're going to have to set boundaries. We're going to have to set some boundaries, church. We're going to have to set boundaries that this gets this, And this part gets this much of my life. But you have to be very single-eyed about it, very clear. And if you're clear, if you ever ask somebody a question, immediately they answer you very solidly. This is exactly where I stand. You knew you stood there. It was very easy to know where they were at and how far the boundaries were. But also at the end of the day, when you know where you stand and you keep it in that position, this is the happiest place you can be. I mean, you can actually simplify your life in a way where you just know where you're headed. The problem with complexity is it clutters itself to the point you don't know where you're at. It clutters, so we started cleaning on the barns. I can prove it. So we start in the apiary, and I I walk in there and I think, "Whoa!" And then I walked over to the big barn, and I'm like, "Oh!" And then I walk up to where my machine shop's at, and I'm like, "Oh, where have you been? To me, where have you? It wasn't dirty." But there's a whole bunch of things that should, they're kind of out of place. Like my shovel's not hung up. My ax isn't really sharpened. Are you with me? Now, maybe you think, yeah, you're OCD. I am OCD. <laughs> but, but I want a clear purpose. I want to know I'm right where I need to be. If I need to get up at 5.30 tomorrow, tomorrow morning and get the job done, I want to get up right then. I want to get the job done. And, boy, we just started in the last weeks. We've been out there, and we cleaned up, and Hannah and the girls, they worked on beehives, and, boy, they got all the frames, and we're ready to start feeding and placing bees. And then we've got all the tack in position. We've got the paint booth open up. I mean, th- I know this sounds simple to you, but what I'm asking you, I'm telling you my life, but I'm asking you, where, where are you at? Like, is there any area that this Scripture is challenging you? I mean, when I say, are you building treasure in the earth? Or is all your time spent there or not? And if not, I want you to help link up with someone you can see that's just totally burdened in the church and help them out a little bit. Like, say, hey, where are you at with this? we want to help you. Like, how can I help? But I know one thing. Now I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Boy, gardens are plowed. Everything's clean, neat. We're tre- Huh? And now you're ready for the next objective. I didn't like that feeling. of just feeling like, man, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. What Jesus could have said to them is don't get on the treadmill alive. Don't get on the treadmill. Have you ever got on a treadmill? I try to get rid of those every time I can because I don't like to get on them. But, but you ever get on a treadmill? It's like going down to the pet store and you get in, you see the cute little um, hamster. And then everyone runs over. Oh, look at him. He's so cute. He's real furry. He's really a mouse. I want everyone to know that. It's, a, it's an oversized mouse with a different colored hair. Anyway, okay. Just kidding. Okay, somebody's best pet's a hamster. Okay. But you run over to the glass and the little guy is just so excited he jumps up on the wheel. And he goes, and man, the wheel's going 90 to nothing, but he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And this is what Jesus is saying to him. Don't spend so much time because this is going nowhere. At the end of the day, don't wear yourself out. Now, he didn't say... Don't have money. He didn't say don't have a house. He told us how to build a house. He told us how to count the cost before we build it. He told us how to be faithful with our money. He told us how to be faithful with our time. Wow, it's really quiet in here. Everyone's like, whoa. I'm going go home and plant my garden, right? <laughs> and, and then he starts. So what he deals with, he shows us what the treasures are. And then he says, try your heart. He lets you do a litmus test yourself. And I've just given to you a few analogies of the two treasures, treasure in heaven, treasure in the earth. Now I ask you for the litmus, where's your heart at? It's wherever your treasure is. And only you can answer it. If I ask you today, where's your heart? You will know. It's where your treasure is. May I ask you humbly, if your treasure's not building some treasure in heaven, would you be willing to take a look at redirecting that position and that posture? I'm not saying, and neither is the Lord, that you shouldn't be doing some things in the earth. I am asking you, where is your treasure? Now the litmus test is on. And as you begin to know yourself where your treasure truly is, because your heart is always on it, some of you are going to say, it's in the Lord. It's in what God is doing. It's in my time of prayer. Others are going to say, Pastor, for 2016, I'm going to start with this message. And it may be small, but I want to encourage you No matter how small your change may be, I want you to know that it's the first step toward doing the will of God in a greater degree than you've ever done it before. That this year in your family, that even the smallest of steps make the biggest of differences. And maybe you're here this morning, you heard Mashiach read the scripture talking about the very hope of God that you could speak to those things that be not as though they were. Maybe God wants to speak to you this morning through this simple word. And say to you, no matter how hopeless it's looked, let's let 2016 be a new year and a fresh year for your life. He then, after he asked us for the litmus test of our heart, does another thing. He said, if your eye is single, you're going to be full of light. I want to say to you out of that, if you'll get your direction in a single way, in a very clear way, create the boundaries. Shoot for the simple life that Christ promised to us. I know there'll be troubles. I know that life looks like it's so complex it couldn't be simple, but it can. I know that when Paul writes, he says, I fear lest the enemy deceives you from simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. And so what happened was Christ provided us such simplicity that if we weren't careful, the enemy would disguise it as looking too complicated and undoable. But Christ is sitting on the Sermon on the Mount saying to every disciple there, you can do this if you just don't try to build too much treasure in the earth. I'm going to show you how to build treasure in heaven and I'm going to try every one of your 12 hearts that are here Where's your treasure at? You see, you know what they said? Can I give you the answer of the twelve disciples? Some said, Lord, we left all that we had to follow you. The answer was clear. And maybe you didn't leave your literal house, but when it comes to your affections, your desire, your prayer, and your help for the one next to you, whether it be in your pew or the neighbor next to your house, you say my affections are so toward you, this is always number one in my life. These are men who left everything. Their affection and their treasure was totally in heaven. And he teaches them how to give that single solidarity. Now, if you also make it very clear that the eye is single, you'll be full of light. But if the eye is not single and you know where you're headed, if you're not sure where you're headed, God needs to give us what the word of God and salvation does is give to us a standard by which not only the heart of mankind can be measured, but all of eternity will be measured by it. It's a plumb line that hangs only one direction, and that is totally plumb. It's a level that never gets out of accord. It is absolutely, it is what God hangs in the balance to measure His own justice to humanity and eternity. I mean, that's a big thing. That's like, this is how God will do it. And He does it in such a simple way. can teach us through simple analogies of... Keep it simple... Is it so complex that it's not simple anymore? Simple's happy. Even the greatest theologians, when they gathered together, some of them were atheists, some were not Christian, but they all agreed on one point as they all assembled together. That if you could reduce life to its simplest form, you would have the happiest of people. And maybe it looks like a huge step. Maybe you see some areas and you say, man, this needs to change. I also with caution want you to know, begin to seek the Lord in prayer and ask wisdom on how to move this direction. Sometimes in our zeal we would go too quickly. That's always been my weakness to go too quickly and try to expect a fast result. But at the end of the day, we can start moving that direction as a body and as a church. But the last thing he says, the last verse, the last verse, after he's taught us what treasures are, He's challenged our heart, taught us how to be single-eyed. The last is this. You cannot serve God and money, or you could say it this way, you cannot serve God while trying to build too much treasure in the earth. You will love one and hate the other. You'll hold tighter the one than the other. And the way you can know, oh my goodness, how do I know for sure, Pastor, that my my eye has been too much headed this direction? Because you will hold to this one and not here. You'll hold to this side and not to that. And so it sounds like this. I wrote down a few. It says, here's what God says, give me your heart, but here's what the things of the world say, give it to me. God says be content with what you have, but, but the world says get all you can get while you're passing through. I'm not saying you shouldn't have and neither is Jesus. What you need, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things that were basic things like food, clothing and what you need would be added to you. I'm not saying that you can't pass through with what you need. I'm saying don't put a larger portion on your plate than what God wants you to have. It will become the heaviness. It will become the thorn and it will become the trouble of life. You ever watch somebody walk through a line with a plate and they took away too much? Now we're getting ready to eat dinner. Oh, all the arms crossed. Gary crossed his arms on me. You see that? Okay. Here's another one. God says be charitable. But if your affections and your sight gets wrong, you'll keep everything to yourself. God said stress or be anxious over nothing. You know why he could say that to you? Because if you'll put your affections on him, he'll make sure you get what you need. He's big enough to do it. But do you know what the world says to you? Stress out over everything. <laughs> and I want to end, I want to read Timothy 6 if you would. You can write this down, but I want to read this to you. And please just listen and let this soak in. And I'll be closing here. Paul writes to Timothy, and here's what he says. If any man teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's a proud knowing nothing and dotting about with questions and strife of words and envy and railing. And here's what he does. Please hear this as Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy, he's starting churches. He's an evangelist. He said, These are men who will perverse men disputing, they have corrupt minds, they are destitute of truth. Now watch what he said these men, the marking for them will be. This is Paul the Apostle writing to Timothy. And he marks those of a perverse generation. Here's what he says. Supposing, he said these destitute men, destitute of truth will do this. They will suppose that gain is godliness. To get all you can get in this life is some form of godliness. And from such, he said, withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is a great gain godliness with contentment is a great gain god can give to you what you need by pursuing him first godliness with contentment are we content i think that's the question of the text of matthew are we so content with god being single in our eye the affection of our heart that he's all that we need we know that if we pursue him first he's going to be enough For we're brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we will carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be content. Americans, I say this for podcast sake. Food and raiment, let us be content. But they that will be rich will fall into the temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal things. Doesn't it sound like the Sermon on the Mount? Lay hold of them. Flee these and lay hold. Don't let this pierce you through. I didn't say you couldn't pass through with all that you hungered for. That God couldn't put a desire in your heart. But I did say don't fill your plate so heavy that at the end of the day there's no joy in your house. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you also are called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Isn't it wonderful? As I said, the illustration here is heavy on talking about money and things, but that's not all that's there. I've met those who love the applause of men would rather ruin churches than see their own reputation tarnished because they couldn't stand to be applauded. This kind of religious living will never receive the well done of God. May I say to you, stick close to the word of God in prayer. Honor God even when it doesn't feel like it. And the well done that He gives you will be matched by no other in eternity. There's no moth, no rust, nor is there any thief that can break through and steal what you have given to Him. And God is not a man that He should lie. He's faithful. And He's just. Maybe today as you hear this message, it it could work many different fronts. I'm asking all of us, let's simplify. Let's just get single-eyed about what God wants, not only at church as we serve, but at home and at work. And let's pray. Let's really make decisions based on prayer that if God is challenging and leaving some conviction in there and it's still working tomorrow, just let God give you wisdom and only take the steps that He directs The footsteps of a righteous man, they're ordered of God. They're ordered of the Lord. And we're asking you, Lord, today, would you order our footsteps? Show me how to walk. You see, for many lives, it may not take much of an adjustment. Just a small adjustment makes such a difference. It just took a little bit of cleaning, a few beehives stacked, a plow put on a tractor, and next thing you knew, your farm is all ready for spring. So then yesterday, you get to cut wood with your 14-year-old boy and chase squirrels around the, the, the wilderness and go home and say, it was a good day. It was a good day, not because of anything the world had to offer, just the simplicity of living life and being where God asked us to be. Every person here can do that. This is the first week of a new year. Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. I hope some of you, and even all of you, would come back this evening. We're going to be preaching. We'll do a Bible study this evening. be practical living all the month of January. We're going to deal with stress and issues you're dealing with at work, and we want to give you answers out of the Word of God. We like that sound. Amen. That's a sound we like right there. World War II, the number one thing the men who were defending our country missed the most was the cry of a baby. The cry of a baby. Amen. And there's uh, thousands of churches across this country that love to hear a baby cry this morning. And make sure you see Abel's little tie before he leaves now. because he, Amen. If you would stand to your feet as we worship. If you want to come forward, you can, but you don't have to. I want to offer that to you. I will tell you, just this morning I received a report, and it does make a difference as we just come before God and say, Lord, I believe your word. Maybe in your life you're asking God for that kind of help, or you think, man, I've just been so busy, or my eye's not been single. Preachers, you spoke, I was challenged, and I want to walk forward just to say to the Lord, Lord, I need you to direct my path.